and welcome in to another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. You know we love to do these when we can, the epic Calcio crossovers. Actually, I was out of town the last time you guys did one of these a few months back. Uh, you know, Frank and Richard held it down with Jerry. We are crossing over live here with the Serie A sit-down crew. We've got Frank Cravello in the house, Mr. FTC underscore 21. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. It was more of a takeover. Uh, yeah, it was. It was it more was. of a takeover. We came in and we hostile took over, and we realized, well, if we got, if we're gonna, if it was gonna be a regular thing, we we're gonna have to hang out with Jerry a lot. So we gave it back to you. <laughs> yeah, and, and J- Jerry liked you guys. He tried not to let me back in. He changed all the passwords to the to the podcast hosting site. I, I couldn't get on anything. Like it, it was like getting locked out of your own house. I mean, he was nice. trying to hand it over to you guys. We also have Richard Carmen with us, of course. Frank and Richard do an awesome job together on the sit-down. Richard, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, and just to make sure the listeners know we're, we're crossing, you know, podcasts, we're not crossing streams here, so just make it clear. <laughs> Which would also be okay. Listen, I, I missed... Not uh, that there's anything wrong with that. You know, I, I've, I've endured this uh, long pandemic. I, I, I feel like I haven't seen hardly anybody up close these last several months, this last year plus. And, yep. of course, Jerry, Jerry Mancini, of course, is with us. I'm Alex Dono. My co-host, Jerry, is here. You know, Jerry, uh, we missed you. We had a uh, an episode uh, midweek. Uh, Daniel Lucci sat in for you on our new Patreon page. By the way, you guys, you can see the scroll down low. We just launched the uh, the Patreon a few days ago. We provide exclusive content as uh, as well there. So go to patreon.com slash connection and, and check us out. Uh, we appreciate everybody. So, Jerry, you missed the victory lap because when, when Lucci and I were on together – uh, over uh, what was that on uh, on Friday or Saturday? All the days freaking run together now. Friday, I think. You know, we were going to give you the forum to celebrate Chido Immobile scoring for Italy from open play for the first time in a year and a half. And then Jerry was a no show. He took a nap during the episode. So Jerry, I will give you the opportunity a few days late and a dollar short to celebrate Chiro scoring a goal. Now that Northern Ireland goalkeeper is absolute trash, but still, still. It was a good run, a good individual effort, a good goal. I mean, individual effort. He did have a good assist from Insigne, a ball that uh, that played him open very well. But uh, we saw the way Chiro celebrated. Jerry, how did you celebrate that goal? Um, you know what? I went nuts, and my father-in-law basically said, why are you screaming? They settled down. And I'm like, well, it's not because Italy scored. It's because Chiro scored. Like, there's a big difference here, I said. But uh, you know what? I don't care who he scores against. I don't know. I don't care how he does it. Whatever gets you going to get your confidence up, um, just to get some strong form, I'll take it. I, I don't really care. But be honest. Be honest. He said, "Jerry's this is a Tim Hortons. Calm down." <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Credit to the Laziale who provided a good stat. And uh, since Mancini has taken over. He, uh, he's got four goals. He scored four goals under Mancini, and he only chose Belotti with seven and Jorginho with six. And I think this is a little encouraging if you are a Immobile supporter or, or if you're just, in general, for an Italian supporter. Maybe Mancini is the guy who can get the best out of Immobile moving forward into this Euros and getting him playing confident and, and making those runs that maybe we haven't seen prior to Mancini taking over. So maybe we have a manager here that actually understands how to use Immobile and get the best out of him. And I, I noticed that every time he plays with Italy, just I'm saying in recent times since Mancini's taken over, he's looked like a, 
a much more confident striker. And I love to hear what you guys think. But in the past two games, even though he didn't finish on Sunday, he should have scored yesterday. I do agree. Yeah, I do agree he should have scored. But I, I'm also happy that he's creating chances off the bench in 10 minutes. He had good looks. I would have been more encouraged had he had scored. But in a game where there wasn't really much to be excited about from a, an Italian standpoint or Italy standpoint, I, I was pretty happy what he was able to do off the bench and give some uh, energy. Yeah, and, and listen, and I want to bring uh, Frank and Richard into this as well. You know, I, I think for for Immobile, I mean, obviously his lack of goals for the Azzurri, I, I think part of it has always been formation. I, I think there is a part of it, though, that is confidence-based. Um, you know, I, I think in certain senses, if he can if he can keep breaking that goal drought more often, even against lesser competition, you know, because obviously, you know, Northern Ireland is not in Italy's class. Uh, but even if he can if he can keep scoring goals in that shirt, you know, for the games that these are World Cup qualifiers, but, you know, these are aren't as important as games in the Euro or as important in the World Cup next summer. But if, if he can score, uh, keep scoring goals, my hope would be that it would add to his confidence because I do think that's a big factor there. I mean, what do you think on this, Frank, as far as Cheeto getting an elusive goal, first goal from open play for him in a year and a half? We saw the way he celebrated. Do you think this could be a sign of things to come for him in the Azzurri shirt? Well, I mean, it's been a struggle for form for him, not just with the national team, but also with his club. I True. mean, so it's... You know, it's going to be it's an important goal for him on both fronts. Um, you know, I, you know, gave Jerry a hard time saying he, he scored at the near post. It was poorly covered by uh, by Peacock Farrell. But he was bad on the other goal, too. I mean, I, I thought on the uh, on, on the goal that uh, that Berardi scored, he, he was poorly covering the near post there as well. Yeah. But, you know, when strikers are in a in a crisis for form, when they're short of form, you'll take anything. OK, you'll take anything. And the, and the beautiful thing about that is that it counts just as much as a goal that would make our goal of the week, right. uh, you know, over at the sit down. You know, they count the same. So that's a that's a thing that you have to keep in mind. And, you know, it's a it's a huge thing from a confidence standpoint, too, for, for Chido. Um, having said all of that, I don't know who Italy's strikers should be yet. You know, I think Chido is getting closer. I think statistically he put in a good performance against Northern Ireland. When he came on as a substitute against Bulgaria, he put in a serviceable performance. Um, you know, I last fall clamored for Francesco Caputo to be the starting striker for the national team, not because he's probably my cousin, uh, but he is a striker in – he is a 4-3-3 type striker. He knows the runs. He knows the positioning. He would probably make a, a stronger target hold-up guy, you know, for, for runs that are coming off from guys like Berardi and Insigne. Um, you know, but I, as time goes on, that chance is just going to get away from him. Some of it is he's had some injuries, you know, that he's had to deal with over the last several weeks. Um, you know, so Chiro is is getting closer to cementing that striker position, but it's still not a position that I'm – sold that we're great at yeah. at the international level um you know and i think that you know tactically immobile and belotti are, are a bit of a square peg in a round hole in this national team okay and can can mancini get them to transition can he get chiro used to seeing you know two guys trying to come in come into the box now instead of one where what he's used to at lazio when he, whether he's complimented by correa or whether he's complimented by caicedo you know, and then the trail run is coming from Sergei. 
Um, you know, now he's got guys to each side that are trying to get involved and they're trying to get it all sorted out. So it's it's a little bit of a challenge. It's a little bit of a transition. And then the issue at, on top of that is that he's in the two forward system and so is Belotti so much more often than they are when they come into this national team system. So it's all of a sudden they have to they have to relearn it. So I I, I come away with these last two games saying Chiro has probably stepped closer toward earning the nine uh, in this setup. But I, I still think. I still think it should be open, I, I'm, and I'm not completely convinced yet. Yeah, I, I agree with you that I, I would expect that Chiro is going to be the guy, but I, I just based on what we've seen, even under a great run under Mancini, because we should mention they're unbeaten in their last 24 games. I mean, that's that's even if they're not o- o- earning the style points every single match, that's really, really hard to do in international competition, be unbeaten in 24. So it's great what they're doing. Uh, you know, of course, uh, strength of that team being from goalkeeper to defense and the midfield is awesome, but they really just lack the potency at strikers. So what do you think, Richard, about the prospects of Immobile grabbing that number nine job for the Azzurri? I think he did. Uh, I mean, it's it's open position, I think, right now. I think um, both Immobile and Belotti did themselves good by playing well these past two games for, you know, individually, uh, both getting goals. Um, so I think in that re- that regard, it's showing that Mancini can maybe have some faith in you know have faith in them. Uh, I still want to see who he lines up in the big games because in the big games he has not gone with Immobile, and that's going to be the big tell for me. You know when we start playing some of these bigger teams when we play Switzerland, let's see what happens then, right? Uh, what lineup does he go with then? I mean the the midfielders around him uh, are fantastic. If Berardi's going to play like the way he played, you know, is he going to dazzle us like that? Anybody can be a striker, really. I mean, probably, you know, Fitzcaputo better, but, I mean, Immobile can score, but uh, Belotti can score. It doesn't matter. And if the, the pieces around uh, the striker play at their potential, it doesn't matter who we put in, as long as they can put away some finishes. Now, granted, Immobile and, and Belotti miss some, you know, opportunities, some goals. I still think uh, they're still legit strikers, right? Immobile is, you know, the most pure striker we probably have in, in Serie A. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a little for grabs. I don't think it's anyone's game right yet. Uh, and like I said, wh- when the games get bigger, that's when I'm gonna really pay attention to see what the lineups are because um, that's you, you'll see when Mancini starts putting his you know his his stamp of his his true eleven. You know, Locatelli hasn't had it locked up. He had a suspect uh, giveaway in that first game, and then yeah. uh, he played well. He made up for it and had a great goal on the second game. So. Yeah, we'll see with Immobile. Um, I'm, I'm hoping. I don't care who it is, honestly. Long as they can score goals, long as they back some goals, that's the big thing. If you can put goals away, I don't care who starts. Bernadeschi could be striker for all I care. So, you know, Roberto Mancini had an interesting proposal for the Euros. Um, you know, because squad size would normally be 23 players. Mm-hmm. Uh, three of them have to be goalkeepers, and he brought up the idea that they should really allow every team at the Euros to carry a 25 or a 26 man squad for the simple reason of COVID is still a wild card. Uh, I mean, we're still, we're still, still seeing it around Europe. We're still seeing players uh, through various clubs, you know, including Inter not too long ago, having multiple players testing positive. And, you know, I I don't know uh, how far away, you know, Europe is from being able to make vaccines available to, to, to football players. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, they're moving more in the direction of more and more senior citizens getting it. The rollout is maybe, little bit behind what we have in certain parts of north america so i don't i don't know if by the summer if they would expect every player on every squad to be vaccinated so to me guys this almost makes too much sense richard the idea that you know you you could be able to carry a a 25 or a 26 man squad because god forbid you have you know three or four players test positive and even if you're able to isolate those isolate those players and not infect the rest of the squad 
then all of a sudden your squad is a lot smaller than everybody else. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it makes it does make too much sense, right? Um, if it was if we were talking about City A, I would say there's no chance they would do it because it makes so much sense. But yeah. because we're dealing on the, on a broader stage, I hoping they do that because your point is correct. I think with you know with that wild card out there, you don't know. I mean, it could decimate a team easily, and so if you don't have backups there uh, just in case, you know, you could really hurt a team's chances. A, a good team it could be like you know France or whomever. But if they lose like half the roster, you don't or lose five guys. That's going to screw their opportunities, right? So I think they should, but we'll see. I guess the money. I mean, if they look at it at the money perspective, I think they will open their eyes and say, "Okay, we should do this, right?" Because it could really hurt the game if they don't. But we'll see. I guess what happens. <laughs> what do you think, Frank? I'd even kick it up to thirty. I mean, yeah. I mean these 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 uh, these national teams call up a provisional squad in or around that number. You might as well take them all, uh, you know, to this to this competition. And then, you know, on match day or the day before match day, you call up the 23 that can dress, you know, and the other seven have to, you know, socially distance, sit in the stands or, or you know, whatever the protocols are going to be for each nation. Because this is still I, I haven't heard anything about any plans to not have this be a multi-nation event because that's what it was originally planned to be. They might have to bubble this. Uh, and limit it to two or three nations, uh, you know, but I would, you know, you usually have a provisional squad of 30 that you trim down to 23 that you take to the competition, pick the 30 and just take all 30 with you. And then you're calling up these 23 for this match. And then you might call up the same 23 for game two. And if you've locked up a place into the next round, that, that third group game, seven of those guys that you've been using that, that have been logging, you know, 90, you know, 180 minutes over the course of two games, you don't have to dress them for that third game. So I like that idea. You know, if you can have a bigger squad to work with and, and call up 23 for game day, that would be what I would do. I like that. It makes a lot of sense. What do you think, Jerry, is your, your long lost cousin, Roberto Mancini, I think made a pretty interesting proposal. <laughs> Not my long lost cousin, but uh, I, I think no, you know, he might be related. Like You have to trace back the family tree and, and see if uh, if he might be like a long lost uncle or something. Jerry doesn't. Jerry doesn't have his hair. He doesn't have the hair gene. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you're not related to him. Um, you know what? Anything that can prevent um, from games being postponed and and trying to like further, like kind of what screws up the schedule, and then, and then you have to remake the games later on, and th there has to be ease for for the competition to be completed. That I think that Frank and Richard basically. Hit it on on the nail where you, I, I, I like what Frank actually said. Thirty players is much yeah. better. Uh, you you want a contingency plan. That's that's what you want. Mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, to keep it simple and, and easy, you want a plan in place. You don't want to mm -hmm. be scrounging that. Okay, for example, you don't want to end up like Simone Inzaghi putting midfielders as center backs. Let's say seriously. We'll, we'll use that example where he, he's gone to a situation where he's had to play players out of position. You don't want the World Cup or the Euros, say, well, the Euros, sorry, having players play out of position in the biggest tournament. Like, it, it, it shouldn't get to that. And if you can avoid it four months in advance, why not do it now? Hopefully they don't act like the city, yeah, like, like Richard said. And uh, their priorities are straight. And I want to just touch quickly on what you guys said about the strikers. And I, I agree with all what you guys said. That at the end of the day, I agree. 
it doesn't matter who's performing at number nine. As long as we have three formidable strikers up front, that's all that matters. If we can rely on rotation and, and anybody who can come in as a substitute, doesn't matter if it's not a Mobile, if it's Belote. I hate the haters. You don't think – no, seriously, you don't think a player understands that he's being hated and it kind of gets in the back of his head oh, and there's extra pressure? Like, yeah. it, you think it's easy to be a number nine? It's not easy mm-hmm. because – you, you may not be playing all game. You may not have one chance, okay? And all of a sudden, in the 90th minute or 80th minute, you get your first chance of the game, and you miss, say. It, it weighs heavily because you really haven't got involved in the game. Now, I know that there are circumstances every game and, and everything changes. But to be a striker, it's not always easy. And sometimes it, it just doesn't go your way. So... I'm just saying, and not just for Immobile. It even goes for Belotti. And I think that a lot of the flack is being put too much on Immobile. And people are forgetting that Belotti and, and whoever else hasn't delivered just as much as Immobile has either. So no. I, I think he's becoming more of a scapegoat, Immobile, if anything. But I guess that's how it goes. And you know what? I, I think part of uh, – I, I always try to find the silver lining in things. I think part of him being the scapegoat is actually, in a way, a compliment because people know what he's capable of, right? I mean, they know he's capable of being a multi-time capo cananiere and scoring goals for fun domestically. So mm. when you make that the standard for yourself and, you know, you're scoring, uh, what was it, 36 goals last year? And, you know, he's, he's, he's broken the 30 barrier, you know, tied, tied the Serie A record. You know, when people see what he's capable of doing in the club shirt, then they're, they're going to expect something similar to that in the national team shirt. So... I mean, part of that pressure, I just think, comes with the territory of everyone knowing that Immobile is capable of scoring, and they just wonder why it doesn't happen more consistently in international competitions. But, you know, something uh, I want to go around the table on, this is not Azzurri-related, but it does tie back to Serie A away. Uh, I have a feeling that Jerry is going to defend Cristiano Ronaldo here. This is rare. Like, this is historic. This never happens. This never happens. But I, I want to give yeah, my take ask, first. Though. And I know, I know, Jerry, you were, of course, watching this game from start to finish. I only caught the end of it because you were watching Serbia. He's a big Serbia fan. Yes. Did the Oilers score, Jerry? Yes, yes. Two All right. Two. Come on, Edmonton. I bet the yes. Oilers, and I'm the mush. Yes. Usually every time I bet Edmonton, they lose, and Jerry loves the Oilers. But, but Jerry, with, with, Cristiano, with Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, he, was, he was robbed of a goal. In that game, it went over the line clearly. And if they had been using replay and goal line technology, that goal would have counted. It should have counted. So I can understand why Cristiano was so upset. So I'm not disputing that. Like, I'm not disputing he had the right to be upset. I'm not disputing that Portugal got robbed in that game. I still think, though, that the way he reacted to it was absolutely classless. I mean, this guy, he always comes off as an entitled brat. I mean, you're you're throwing the armband of your country on the ground. And then I, I watched uh, the comment uh, on Instagram that his sister made who was saying something. Oh, he actually she said he intended to throw the armband in the referee's face. So it's like, come on, bro. Listen, like I, I understand you're upset and you have every right to protest. You have every right to complain. I just think it's a really bad look when you're taking the captain's armband of your country 
and throwing it on the turf like that. I, I thought that that was disrespectful to Portugal, and a lot of people feel that way. I know he's getting defended by the zombie Ronaldo fanboys who create 100 burner accounts and retweet everything. Like He's getting defended by those guys, and every – I mean, he, he could murder someone, and they would defend him, these accounts, okay? But still, Jerry, like I, he, he had the right to be upset. He was robbed of a goal. What did you think of the reaction, though? Do you think it's fair to say it was classless? Well, I'm going to say a quote, actually. I'm not sure if you saw tonight. It was Cristiano Ronaldo's sister, Katia Averio. And she basically defended him and said that he would throw the captain's armband at the referee's face. Yeah. And that, that's where I kind of got in on Twitter tonight. and said, I'm going to backtrack and say I was wrong. Ooh, the, I didn't I, see that. My apologies. I, just, I said throwing the armband is completely wrong. It's disre- disrespect to country and team. In the referee's face, classless. When I saw that, I'm like, you know what? You know what? I vouch for him at hindsight because me playing ball hockey, I've kind of thrown my stick before where (laughs) the last second of the game we scored and they disallowed it and you get upset. So I I, I defended his emotion because it's human reaction. I don't care who, who you are. It's not because it's Ronaldo that I'm defending. It's more the individual. And and I know a lot of people were bringing up um, when Milan got robbed against Juventus. And I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I've only started watching football maybe four, four seasons now. So when people referred that game to me, it, it, it meant nothing to me because I wasn't really watching enough to understand what was going on. But I, I just think that it, it's human. You, you're in piss. You've seen the ball go over the line, and it, it kind of robbed you of a win. And it's for the Euros. Sorry, for World Cup. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of significance for this game. It, maybe in hindsight, maybe down the road, Portugal doesn't win the games that they're supposed to, and, and that game comes back to haunt them. And those two points could have helped them qualify for the next round. Who knows? But I, I, I do agree that throwing the armband now, thinking back, it, it's kind of disrespectful to your country and to your teammates. And just walking off with 30 seconds left or whatever it may be, it doesn't show that you're a real leader to your team. But, again, there, there's, there's, you, you can look at it both ways because in that position, it, it's tough. But I guess when you're a veteran and in your, you've been in the game for, what, 30 years, 20 years, you, I guess you would know better, but sometimes you don't. Yeah, just what what always rubs me the wrong way about him, and I'm I'm not even like I, I know it's easy. All oh, look the Interistas talking shit about Ronaldo. I, I I talk shit about this guy long before he ever got to Juventus. Okay, I just he he always seems to me like he's so spoiled and entitled. And I know he's one of the greatest players ever, but he acts as though the rules of decency don't apply to him sometimes, and it just it rubs me the wrong way. Uh, what do you think, Frank, about the way he reacted after that match? I mean. I, it reminds me of when one time when I played uh, I played golf and I had I hit a great drive and there's this big pond in front of the green that and I have like a 90 yard shot to the middle of the green and it's one of my gap wedges it's just that's that's all it is hit it clean get it on the green and then put myself in position to make birdie right well I hit it I think it's perfect okay it felt good when the ball left the club and all of this other stuff. But it lands in the front of the green and it spins back and it rolls away down and going to the wall goes into the water. <laughs> I take the penalty, I put the ball down, I hit it again, exact same shot, felt great, all this other stuff. Lands on the front of the green, spins back, 
rolls down, <laughs> goes into the water. I break the wedge over my knee. <laughs> so, and sometimes you just get so frustrated you don't realize what you did, and there has to be some element of control, you know. And then you know, R- Ronaldo's captain's armband is my gap wedge that I broke, basically. And except <laughs> only differences is I had to go spend 120 bucks on a new gap wedge. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> but um, it's 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 human. It's 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 just it's 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 human nature to to get frustrated when when something doesn't go your way uh especially when you think it's right um you know and 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 in this case i understand ronaldo getting frustrated getting robbed of a goal there that would have given portugal an extra two points in you know in terms of and and bolstering their standing for world cup qualification they're going to qualify anyway um but it's one of those where you know just like me Got to figure out how to just channel that frustration a little bit better. I think I would be a lot more accepting of it if if there was an apology from Ronaldo. But you rarely ever see him apologize for these things, and that's the thing that aggravates me. Go back to when he that's nearly no. Yeah. Go back when he nearly took Alessio Cranio's eye out. Um, he didn't apologize for that either. You never yep. you, you didn't see anything on that. You didn't see, and then you got crickets from Juve supporters at the same time. You know, hardly ever, hardly even con- condemning him for it. So, you know, that's the other thing that bothers me is that his his fans will back him and they'll justify it at every turn. So, and I, and I think that that's probably the bigger problem that I have with all of this than the actual actions themselves. That's actually a great point on the lack of apology. What do you think about all this, Richard? First of all, you guys are all doing it wrong. Okay, you guys got to channel your your frustration in another way. So Jerry brought up hockey. I'll bring up hockey as well. I got so pissed off one time in a game that I took the opponent's stick and threw it over the over the glass. I got a penalty for it, but you know that's how you channel your frustration. And I didn't break my stick. I didn't. I didn't have to pay for my own stick, so it worked out for me. <laughs> you probably um, should have paid for his, but okay. yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, this is the culture connection, right? So I can be. I don't have to be partial in this one, right? Um, no, not at all. Two words on my thoughts on on. What happened with Ronaldo? Soli Montari. And I know, Jared, you probably don't get that reference, but it happened to Milan, and it was a big game. It cost him the title, arguably. Um, I don't feel sorry for Ronaldo. I don't feel sorry also because look what happened to Ireland a few years ago against uh, against France, right? 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah right. You know, I don't feel bad. This stuff happens in, 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 in football, and unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about it. And now there's VAR. They should – I mean, they, this, VAR should be in everywhere, and I know it sucks in England. But in, on a world stage like this, and in, in other leagues, Germany, Italy, uh, so many different leagues use v- VAR and is successful, they should be using it now. And you know, there's no excuse not to be using it. And so if you're not going to use it, this is going to happen. It's going to happen no matter what, whether it's goals, red cards, whatever. Uh, and I think until everyone brightens up and starts using VAR, I don't, I'm not going to feel bad when this play happened, when these plays happen. It, just, it happens. You can't do anything about it. His reaction was piss poor, for sure. Uh, is, is, it's very unbecoming of a captain. Yeah, I get it. You're angry, but I mean, he, it was a it was a hissy fit that he threw, and uh, it was disgusting, honestly. And so, um, yeah, I just I just I don't like it when it happens, whether it's my team or not my team. I don't care. Uh, when a lot of players these days have his mentality where they it's all about them. Like, look at me, look at me. Forget that, man. Come on. Yes, it, it, it sucks, but 
I don't want to only single out Ronaldo because uh, Jerry, your guy Messi can be a bitch too. I mean, it seems like every time he loses a game with Argentina, he, he retires from international competition and then he comes back like, just kidding, guys, I'm back. That's to avoid death threats. No, no he absolutely. does. That, he does that. He does that to get somebody in the front office fired. And once that guy's gone, he decides, okay, yeah, I'll that's come true. Back. That's true. Yeah. But otherwise, <laughs> when you see him lose, he 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 doesn't have these on, on the pitch. At least I'll give Messi credit. He doesn't pout. Like Ronaldo does, he just has this look like he lost his last friend. Okay, <laughs> like it's the saddest sight. Like it's like it's like, what are you sad about? You're making five hundred fucking million dollars. <laughs> well, has has Messi ever gone to this level of throwing his armband on the floor? He's hey, kicked. He's kicked the soccer ball at fans though at Real Madrid. Yeah. He did do that. He did do That's that. Awesome. That's amazing. It, yeah, it was it was crazy to see that. So it was it was on that level of Ronaldo's. So no, what's even, not, no, 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 that's not no, no, he, no. He kicking no, a ball no. at someone's face? Who cares? Oh no, I I know people. That's actually worse. Care. That's arguably worse. No, I'll just I'll just I'll just say this. Barcelona just, though. It's Barcelona. Jerry, how many times has Messi <laughs> retired and unretired from international competition? Like what what a lame tantrum. Like, oh that I'm not agree. gonna play for my country anymore. That I agree. That is lame. Hey, I'll I, just... I, I like Messi, but I also don't blind myself like Ronaldo fan club where I think, oh, my God, Messi's the best thing in the world. And anything Messi does, it's, it's by the Bible and you can't do nothing wrong. Like, it's not wrong. I'm not that delusional, man. I agree with you what you're saying. You can't retire, come back, retire, come back. What is this, man? <laughs> retirement home? I, I can come back tomorrow morning and I'll come back a year later? Like, well, buddy. <laughs> They're going to be like Pele and start making up goals then, right? I'll just yeah. tell you this. I did, Eric, Eric Cantona is out there thinking that both of them are soft. Oh, oh that, that's a god right there. Yeah. So who, kung who, fu, when he actually kung fu kicked an opposing fan. Yeah. That's awesome. That's Who's Eric Cantona? Sorry. I, people are going to You're doing – Look up Eric Cantona. Hold on. You're writing – and you're doing soccer podcasts, and you and you don't know who Eric Cantona is. Who is that? Seriously. Oh, my. A god amongst you're one, men. You're one of those that I rip on that think this sport's only like 10 to 15 years old. Oh, man. <laughs> who is Eric Cantona? Seriously. He's a, he's a former player. A former French, French international. Played for Manchester United. Yeah. I mean, this guy was a flat-out baller. Look up Eric Cantona of... kick. That's yeah. all you need to look up. Yeah. One of the great Eric videos. Eric Cantona kung fu kick. Yeah. And just – Total baller. It was just a shame that France sucked in the early nineties yeah. because oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. we would you would have you would have known a lot more about him. Yeah, but yeah, if, I if mean, he'd he had been on that ninety eight team, wow, that would have been sick. Hey, I, I always say I always say on this pod, man. I don't know everything, and I don't act like I know everything. So, <laughs> so I'm very, I'm very, I'm very honest to say that if I don't know something. I have no shame because I love to learn. And kudos to you for that. Kudos I, yeah, to you. I, I, I am not like the god of. That's why I, I read books and I try to learn more about the game. But I really like that you just said that. And that's why I like you guys in your show because you guys say things that are not everybody says every day. Oh, immobile this or something that mm. or it's something different like that. And I appreciate that. So that's really you good. You get people at ESPN FC that are making like all time teams. And they're made up of players from like the last ten years. Oh, it's so it's bad. Like, I, Robertson I, I, from Liverpool is like, what? Jesus! I mean, like, even get a book and 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 read about the history and just throw a name from there in there and act like you tried. I mean, it's just or or at least admit you're making a best eleven since 2010, not yeah. a best eleven all time. Yeah. 
No, Mateo is not one of these. Mateo is not one of these people, by the way. Mateo knows no. his history. I would just I want to footnote that. But well, there's a lot of like, guys. I'm, where... I'm wondering now. Now, th three out of the four of us uh, are in the United States. J Jerry's in Canada, so I don't think the rights changed over there. But did you guys wonder with because uh, Serie A rights uh, in the United States are moving next season from ESPN and ESPN Plus to CBS and Paramount Plus? Do you, do you think our guy Mateo is going to make the move? Because he because he moved from being mm -hmm. sports to ESPN. I, I I really hope that CBS brings him over because I, I don't want him to get stuck at ESPN when they don't have the cultural rights anymore because he's yeah. not going to have a whole lot to do over there. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully they do like like Derek Ray. Derek Ray, even though he's committed to like one station, he'll he'll contribute to different places so more people can hear him. So maybe we get Mateo in that sense where you know they know his voice and so they want to use him. Uh, more different because I mean I I'd love hearing him as well so we'll see yeah, yep. he's awesome yeah I think it, he does a solid job and you and you hope to see it and I mean on the footnote I was not bothered to see it go to Paramount Plus because I have that for the Champions League and the Europa <laughs> League so um, you know you know what I do I'm so cheap that uh, and I'm I'm obviously I'm gonna get Paramount Plus now to watch uh, to watch uh, Serie A like I can't avoid it anymore. But I just I watch all the Champions League games in Spanish. I, I don't know if uh, I, I don't know if these are better commentary wide. But 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 down in Miami, Dude, bro, we got we got more Spanish channels than English channels, and I I can watch all yeah. the Champions League games in Spanish. So I I, I habla the Espanol when the Champions League games are on. But I'm definitely going to get Paramount Plus now for Serie A. And you get the whole Cheers. You get the whole Cheers library uh, on Paramount. <laughs> Ooh, Plus. I do love Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that that alone is is worth the price the annual the annual price i like so, that I, like I just i just want to clear something before people think i'm like uh violent about how i said about ronaldo they already know you ball, <laughs> about ronaldo kicking a ball at, at, at a real madrid fan which i didn't even know that's amazing you said that but i respect it because he's a barcelona for life and he just showed what barcelona meant by kicking a ball at a real madrid fan so that's the reason why I respect it. It's not right, I agree, but it's that's how you earn the respect of your fan base, maybe. Like, it yeah. just shows you what Barcelona meant to you. If I was a Lazio player, I would 100% kick a ball at a Roma person, man. 100% if I was that kind of crazy guy. Oh, yeah. If, if, if. Bro, this guy, this guy, Jerry, uh, I've seen video of him walking down the streets of Toronto celebrating <laughs> yeah. a mutual conference championship yelling, Fuck LeBron! I have no shame, man. That that was a that was the day with I actually was on the jumbotron twice at that game actually. No way. Yeah, and I was hammered. And then my cousin was just a row down, and she got on as well. We were just, I oh, I think that was the one day Frank would have loved me because I had like nine beers that day, and and, and I don't remember. Frank would have killed you. Yeah, Frank yeah, probably, so. probably would have all drink me for sure, but. Uh, <laughs> Do I have a reputation out there? <laughs> no. They're very pretty don't. north of the border. <laughs> <laughs> I ever come up there, they better have. They, they, <laughs> if I ever come up there, man, I, the uh, that'll be a good time to buy stock and shit like Canadian Club and, and some of the other, uh, you know, some of the other Canadian uh, uh, distilleries and stuff like that. Because. Uh, There'll be an increase in consumption. I mean, the whole state of Wisconsin, we just, uh, that's all we do is drink and eat cheese. All right. That's, that's well, the rumors it. are true, eh? Yeah. Oh, gosh. We're the drunkest state in the country. There's, there's, and it's not even close. Like, usually there's like a top 10 of like 
America's drunkest cities. Seven of them are in Wisconsin. It seems like every year. <laughs> That's amazing. That is yeah. awesome. That's actually awesome. Oh, yeah. Man. And there was one year when Milwaukee didn't win it, and I told my two friends that were on duty in the Navy, I said, they didn't get it this year because you fuckers went on duty. <laughs> <laughs> so... Hey, I want to uh, I want to give some love uh, to the live chat. Uh, Gigi La Patate says. Uh, it, it, by the way, is is this a real rumor? Like I, I can't keep up with some of the rumors. Sometimes he says, Milinkovic Savage to Milan and Romagnoli to Lazio. Care to call? Like, that, that, like n- none of that is is legitimate, right? I, I know that no. Jerry is always watching the Savage rumors, but I I, saw, I, I I think Gigi was just trying to get under Jerry's skin there. I saw Luis Alberto to Milan and Chalanolo going the other way, but I just I quickly yeah. I, I take it all day. I, I, I would take it, but I quickly blew it off. I was like, that's not happening. We just gave the Musacchio. I mean, right. the va- you know, they, just put, they just put the Vaseline where you think they would put the Vaseline. Uh, All right. They, I, you know what? I let, think those, Musacchio- let those wounds heal before we send Chalanolu over there. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think Musacchio was bad in Serie A in, in the limited time that he played. He, he was – a serviceable player in the back, but when you're putting him against Bayern Munich, you, you're you're oh, you're so asking bad. to, you know what I mean? Like it, it's 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 unfair. I think that okay, the pass was bad. I, I, he shanked it. I, I get that part, but his overall game has not been completely horrendous prior to that game. He was showing good form. He had a, a few good games, and then as soon as he puts him in that position, and he played him on the left side, which he's not even a left. He's not a center back, and he puts him on the left side, which he's not even playing on. The, he's not a natural left player, too. So double whammy now you got. And uh, it didn't help that you have Patrick playing in the back end as well, like another fucking useless player. So it was just one disaster after another, and that was it. But I, I did it is what comment, it is. Uh, I, I did want to comment on a, on a transfer rumor that I, I keep seeing come up in, in Premier League Twitter, and I'll explain why I think maybe people are focusing on the wrong factor here. So I'm, I'm starting to see a lot from English sources uh, of how uh, Chelsea are very keen on Romelu Lukaku and that the idea is that you know their, their first choice is Erling Haaland, who's going to be the first choice of, of a lot of teams, and that they're sort of backup option is uh, is Lukaku. And a lot of the comments uh, that I see in the you know British tabloids and such are, you know, about uh, about the financial peril of Inter and how they're going to be forced to sell Lukaku to pay their bills. Now, I think that I think people are maybe focusing on the wrong angle here. Um, I don't expect Lukaku to leave. I don't think it's impossible. But to me, if Lukaku were to leave Inter this summer, I think the deciding factor would be is Antonio Conte back. Um, if Conte were to were to resign, uh, he's not going to get sacked unless there's a you know I, I guess if there's a collapse for the remaining you know 11 match days for Inter, then anything's possible. But I'm not. I'm actually expecting Conte to stay around one more year. But if he were to resign, then I could I could see Lukaku being open to a departure because you know his uh, his glory times at Inter have been so associated with thriving under Conte's system mm-hmm. and being the perfect striker for Conte. And so maybe if Conte left, yeah, Lukaku might consider leaving um I, of course I, I don't know the full extent of of Suning's financial troubles uh you know I I can tell you that they seem to be relatively close to getting a, a large investment of outside capital which I, I don't know if that would mean they would have a really active summer transfer window but 
Uh, I wouldn't expect them to be holding any fire sales if they can secure, you know, a, a decent, you know, financial loan or, or a minority sale. Uh, they're also, you know, very close to landing a new shirt sponsor, which would pay double or more, maybe even triple of what Pirelli has been paying in recent years. So um, I, I don't and it's I can't say for sure, because maybe we don't know the extent of Suning's financial challenges, but I. I certainly wouldn't expect them to be forced to sell a guy like Lukaku, who's really the cornerstone of their project for financial reasons. So I think maybe people are, are focusing on that. I also see some Premier League sites expecting Ashraf Hakimi to be sold for $35 million, which is it's kind of laughable. So, you know, yeah. you, you trust you trust these English tabloids about as far as you can throw them. It's some, some of the worst rubbish information out there. So, you know, my, my two cents is it, it's certainly not impossible for Lukaku to leave Inter this summer. But I, I think if people are just assuming it's going to be a sale because, you know, the ownership is in financial ruin, I don't really think that's the plot here. I think that the the opportunity for him to go would be more likely if Antonio Conte were to leave. Then I could see Conte, uh, then I could see Lukaku going because he might feel that, hey, I really thrived under this specific manager. If I don't necessarily trust the future project, I don't want to be part of it, and I can go to a number of clubs around the world. So that, that's my two cents on that. What do you think, Richard? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you uh, on that. I think the only way Lukaku leaves is if Conte leaves for some reason, right? Uh, it's I don't I don't trust the British tabloids either. Uh, I'm wearing a Frank Kessie jersey, and you know after the game, you know against United, they're like, "Oh, it's Frank Kessie guy." I don't know if you guys heard of him, but uh, we're I think Chelsea's going to take him. It's like, who the hell are you? Like, get the hell out of here, man! Like, really? Uh, so I don't trust anything that comes out of the British tabloids. And yeah, that their job is to create tabloids like like they do and it's it's like a, a fine art the way they do it right but i don't i don't, I don't take any stock in it and like you see, unless conte leaves that's the only way i see you know fathomable for me especially if the worst we get though and it happened man. well and also and, and this applies to you know the fodder about uh, about kessie as well i mean so, sometimes fans have to say hey when when one of your best players is being linked to a bunch of premier league clubs take it as a compliment right yep. because if, yep. if you've got a player in good form you know, helping you achieve important uh, objectives. You know, what's going to happen are Chelsea fans, Man United fans, the tabloids are saying, hey, why don't they go grab that player? Because, yep. you know, because yep. the, Premier League journalists and fans feel like they're entitled to any player they want in yeah. a foreign league. Like, oh, they all want to come to Premier League. So, uh, Especially in the Farmers think? League, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, what do you think, Frank? I, I, you know, I, yeah, I think... Lukaku's form correlates with Conte's success. There's no doubt about it. But I, I don't agree that Lukaku and Conte necessarily have to be joined at the hip for Lukaku's sake. Uh, right. Because we've seen him be successful in other formations at other clubs, at Manchester United, at Everton, um, you know, where he was the uh, striker in a fourth, in a, in a three man front, um, you know, where, you know, here at Inter, he's partnered in a two man front with, with Lautaro Martinez. So, Lukaku is a, a special striker. I mean, he is elite in just about everything that you want in a nine. And because of that, he'll have the ability to adapt to anything. So if Conte should leave, I don't necessarily think that means Lukaku goes out the door. I think the next manager that comes in, if they want anybody of substance, that manager is probably in that meeting with Suning and saying, listen, if you want me, Lukaku needs to stay. That's a good Because point. I'm going to be building this I'm going to be building this squad around him, okay, or around players like him, guys like Barella. So, um, you know, Inter's performances are obvious when he's not in the team under Conte, but Lukaku is not dependent on Conte as a manager to be successful. I think he is 
he has done it at different levels. He has done it in different systems. And I mean, he, he doesn't he, even at Man United. He doesn't even need to be the central striker. He's played off to the he played off to the right, uh, you know, for a period of time. When he's called up in the Belgian national team, there were moments where Roberto Martinez had him play off to the right. Um, you know, so so even that uh, is available. But you know, I mean, he can play. He, he, he can he can adapt to any system. He's proven it, and I don't think that he's completely dependent on Antonio Conte to be successful for the rest of his career. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. I mean, I think for me it just might be uh, if Conte were to leave, it just might be his preference if, if he may not be you know a fan of uh, of the next manager. But I think I thought you made a great point though that the next manager may say, "Hey, me coming is contingent on on him being here and being the centerpiece of my project." What do you think, Jerry? Well, you're first off, you're still paying Spalletti. So I don't and if Conti leaves, you're gonna be paying him as well. So not I don't, if he resigns though. I don't see him resigning. I don't no, either. I don't not, either. Take that on there's no way he resigns making that kind of cash mm-hmm. unless he knows that some other team is willing to, to to pay up what he's making right now, basically. Or more. Um then you have if a new manager comes in you still have to see who it is first. And Frank's right. Necessarily, it doesn't mean that he doesn't fit in his plans. Like having a guy like Romulo Lukaku. So, like, Frank said a good thing on his show on, on uh, last week. Prendelli. He leaves. Yakini comes in. You can't bring you can't bring a star manager in right now because no one's going to take that, sh- that freaking dumpster fire. Okay, let's be realistic now. <laughs> Now, yeah. in, a, in a situation like Inter, I'm pretty sure someone would, who is experienced would have taken Inter right now because the circumstances are much different. And what I'm trying to say is that when the next manager comes in, if that was, that was the case, look what you get. A guy like Lukaku, Martinez. You're getting a team that is already developed and has talent plus youth. There's a blend here, and any manager would be happy to, to ride out with Lukaku and work around him probably because they've seen what he's been able to do with Conte. So I don't see why the next manager would not want Lukaku in his plans. And you also have Pepe Marotta, who basically designed this team and has been the brains behind it, who, who brought in Barella, who brought in Lukaku, who brought in... I don't know, Sensi, all these players, Bastone, and look what he's creating. He's creating the Inter dynasty, or whatever you want to call it right now, as what he did with Juventus. So I just don't see Conte leaving, especially if if uh, if they win the Scudetto. Like, that was the goal. I hate when... Oh, that doesn't happen there. Uh, I, hate when, I hate when people say that, oh... It's a field. It's all failed because Conte never won anything yet. For me, it's winning a Scudetto is the most important thing. And there there are teams in the last decade who still haven't been able to do that because of Juventus. And for Inter to win that, that is like, that's the prime goal. How many managers have they gone through in the last, what, five, six years where they oh, haven't really done many. anything for this team. And then Conte comes in after two years, has a foundation, has these young these young, young players like Barella were, have strived in, in two years compared to what he was doing. At, where was he at? Genoa, right? Was it Genoa he was at before? Cagliari. 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 Yeah. And 
I just think that everything's working well, and and the EPL, the the, the British tabloid, whatever they want to call them, they're all stupid because they think that their their teams get. I, I'm a Chelsea fan only by being there watching the game for my honeymoon, or else I couldn't care less about the EPL. I'll be honest, and um, I think that Chelsea gets too much like media tabloid. We we get first dibs on every player. We're we're linked to everyone. Well, and, and, well, they've been such like, big spenders. I mean, look at look at the transfer window that they had last yeah. summer. I mean, after a window like that, you know, your fans start to believe we we can buy anybody anytime anywhere. Yeah. Oh, it makes me sick. I, I, <laughs> now that I got to hear Holland and like I'm, I'm happy that Chelsea's been able to get these players, but at the same time, it's such a disadvantage for so many other teams that I don't know how it's done. It, FB, what happened to FFP? Like, how are they able to to buy all these players? Like, I don't get it, man. Like, is there a formula where I'm just not understanding? Uh, well, the, the formula would be they're finding some way to show a positive balance sheet. I mean, uh, you know, I know that the, uh, the 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 revenue in the Premier League is considerably higher with their TV contracts, but still, they, they, and also let's not remember what the summer before that they had a transfer ban, so they were. They were able to like store up some of those funds and just go wild the following summer. So I, I guess it worked. I mean, if they were in, uh, you know, of course, uh, I'm sure that there are some squads, you know, I'm thinking of the PSGs and the Man Cities of the world who can find ways to circumvent FFP. But if, if Chelsea were, you know, blatantly violating that, I think we would know at this point. So they, they must be doing something right. Yeah. Oh, oh well, it is what it is, I guess, right? So how excited are we guys? We're still, I mean, God, I'm acting like it's right around the corner. We're still six days away, five days away from Serie A football being back. I'm actually one of the few people who doesn't mind international breaks because I tend to do pretty well betting on the, my, my system is <laughs> I, bet, I bet on the teams that I've heard of against the countries most people haven't heard of. And, and I tend to do pretty well with that during international breaks. So I'm six and one on my bets in the last week, which is a lot better than I fared during club competitions, but I'm still excited for the city to be back. Uh, looks like everybody's going to be in action on Saturday this week. Uh, Jerry, I'll start with you as it, it, it feels like for Lazio, every game here on out is a final. I mean, every point is so precious for your team. You have uh, Spezia at home. Any expectation for this one? Uh, Vincenzo Italiano's side is not always an easy out. No, it's not. And I was actually writing a match preview today and you know what? They they managed to beat teams. No disrespect against Milan, Napoli, and they're a side that you can't uh, take lightly. You don't know what you can get out of them on, on a certain week. One week they they look very poor, putrid, however you want to say it. But then the next two weeks, they look like uh, stars. Like they're, they're able to just pre- put in a, a good complete performance. Um, I watched the, the game versus Cagliari before the uh, international break, and I thought that they played very well. And there, there isn't ever a player that is just wow to me. It's all of them that are wow. Uh, Majore has been great this year. I think that he's been one of my favorite Spezia players. He does the little things. He, he mm-hmm. works really hard, wins challenges. Those are the things I noticed from him. Uh, Ricci's been another good player. Uh, Pobega just came back from injury, so that's uh, that's a, a big boost for Spezia. Mm-hmm. And on the Lazio end, I guess they're they're a little 
lucky because Korea didn't go on international break because Argentina is not playing due to like they're not certain. Uh, I think uh, South American teams are not playing. I saw that a lot of games are suspended. Yeah. And then um, Caicedo just came back from injury. Apparently he's fit to play for Saturday. So there, there are some encouraging uh, things to see where, uh, yeah, Richard, Caicedo greater <laughs> than Immobile, but um, I don't I don't see your Caicedo uh, jersey yet. But, uh, it's in the mail. <laughs> you know what? You're, you know, at the end of the day, every game is, is a do or die for Lazio now with, well, I think, 12 games left, 11 games left. And I didn't even know they made the schedule, by the way. I actually checked the other day, and I saw that they, they released the next six games, and I saw Lazio plays Milan on a Monday. Oh, I don't really? really? Wow, I, that's going to be a good I, one. I don't remember the last time Lazio played at home on a Monday. I think I got to go back to the 2017-18 season. Well, when Jerry, they, when they played the Inter. even work at the Olympico? That might be why you guys play at like 6 in the morning every week. I'm not even sure if they have working lights in that stadium. I have no idea either, man. I was shocked <laughs> that we're playing Milan on a Monday, though. They, I was seem, like, to work, wow. they seem to work when Roma plays. That's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Electric bill and uh, and and Jerry's guy. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what? This is the first time I've ever actually cared about international break. Like, I don't know why. I I think it's because the games finally have significance, and I don't have to watch international friendlies. Oh, the most meaningless garbage that I have to watch. Scores. Spoilers? Spoilers! International friendlies for you. Are they leading, Jerry? I don't have the game down yes. here in Florida. Are they it's winning? Over. Oh, it's yeah. over. Do they win? Cha-ching. I wasn't even paying attention. I got so sucked into this oil con- this uh, lactic conversation. I'm sorry to distract you with the show. Oh, yeah. my God. I-, I looked up and I see a goal. I was like, wait a second. It is, uh, hold on. It is McDavid to Daniel Nurse scores. Love it. Oh. Uh, this, I, I think this is historic, guys. This is like the fifth time this season I bet on the Edmonton Oilers. And I was going for the first night. And I actually, I started doing it just based off Barry because I started bet on the Oilers. They lose. Are we doing a podcast or are we just getting the audio of uh, Hockey Night in Canada? Are we going to talk about the uh, Pixar Penguins now? Is this an NHL yeah. podcast? <laughs> oh, when it comes to the Oilers, I'm very passionate. Sorry, man. I'm so passionate. But uh, other than Lazio, I, that's how I normally celebrate when it's Lazio. I, I got like glasses flying in the air maybe if it, if it was in a, in a restaurant. I remember one time I, I went to a bar. Hold on. I remember one time I went to this bar called Wags and it was uh, – LA Lakers versus the Celtics, game seven. And this guy with blue pants was, like, doing celebrations. It was crazy. It was, it was like, a sold-out place. I ended up going on top of a table and started chanting, going nuts, because the Lakers had won game seven and Kobe had won a championship. And that oh, was I remember year that where, game. Yeah. It was a year where he had, like, a serious injury. And uh, I forgot who the other guy who, who also had, like, an ACL injury or something like that. He just came back. Mm-hmm. I forgot what his name was. But it was, was yeah. Maybe? I'm not sure. It was a young player, but yeah, I go nuts, man, at these kind of games, man. You have to. Richard, we got we they, they're they're breaking away to give us hockey updates live on their podcast. We just read funny Calcio tweets. We got <laughs> to step it up. We got to step up our game, man. You got yeah. to. Hey, but Good I live tweets. To, uh, before before we wrap up this episode, I do want uh, Richard and Frank to help us on a little bit of a of a Milan deep dive because obviously, sure. uh, you know, Milan or. or 
not, you know, they're not out of the Scudetto race. I've got to make sure I say that to, you know, to avoid any any sort of an interjinx. I'm not counting Milan out. And, and obviously the most important objective for the Rossoneri is top four. And they're very much on track uh, for that at this moment. But they do have to have to keep their form, you know, for the final uh, 10 match days here. So, you know, Richard, how are you feeling? You know, it's been a couple of weeks since you've watched the Rossoneri play. They've got, you know, a home match against Sampdoria, which some can sometimes be tricky. Milan have not had the best home form since the calendar mm. turned over. So uh, how are you feeling about this game? They've had not the best form, period, right, in, in general. Um, uh, you know, it's it's difficult, um, you know, despite what you do, what you just said before. Uh, it is interesting. Scudetto. Maybe I'm trying to jinx him. Who knows? I don't um, believe that. I think we'll be lucky to make four. <laughs> I'm just uh, uh, um, show up at any time. Uh, it's going to be difficult against Samp. I think it, it always is for Milan. It seems as of late, um, uh, and they don't. And you know, when they were on this magnificent winning streak or unbeaten streak, they, you know, you always knew that they had a they had a way to get back into the game no matter what happens, whether they go down two nothing in a game or or whatever. Uh, I don't have that feeling anymore, and it's difficult. And Milan has to play much better than they have been. Uh, even when they've won recently, it's been ugly. Um, so. I mean, I expect them to win the game, but it, it's going to be closer. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a penalty in the game, um, you know, deserved. But, you know, still, I think Sampdoria pose several challenges to Milan. Uh, you know, they have some, they do have some attacking talent. Their goalkeeper is pretty decent. Um, Ranieri finds ways, that, uh, you know, to, to that he's a tinker man, right? He finds ways to tinker his lineups and, and, and adjust to the opposition's uh, strength. So it's, I think it will be a lot closer than it should be. It'll be a one-goal difference for this. I, I, I don't see... Milan blowing them out or, or Sampdoria blowing anybody out. I think it'll be a very close game, but um, Milan need to find ways to, to get wins in rows, right? They, they've been very poor as of late. They got a little bit of a gap now between them and, and Juventus and Atalanta, but they need to continue that pressure on, right? Uh, they, need to, they need to get wins, try to keep pace with Inter if they have any hopes of the Scudetto, not that I have any hopes for them. Um, and the ultimate goal, as you said, top four. So start with Sampdoria and keep you know get some wins on your belt and get that mojo back because uh, they they certainly lost it. I guess my hope would be that uh, Antonio Candreva, Keita Baldi, that they're still uh, Interisti at heart and they can put in a masterclass performance. Always happens. Always happens. Well, it, it certainly happens when they play against Inter. <laughs> they, they they both scored in, in yeah in that two to one victory they had over Inter uh, the the first half of the season. Both of them scored in that game, of course. Uh, but Frank, Frank, how do you feel about this matchup? How tricky might this one be for Milan? I think that if they keep their concentration, Milan should be fine because Sampdoria's game is crossing, um, and they cross from everywhere. And if uh, the center back pairing can you know, account for strikers like Quali Dorella, um, they'll be fine, you know. But the slightest slip, the slightest lapse in concentration, some stuff like that is is where goals can get conceded. And, you know, in the run of losses or in the run of poor form for Milan, you've seen lots of lapses in concentration from them. Um, the Napoli game, you know, we had Rafa on uh, a couple of weeks ago and we, we ironed that out to a T as to where – where all the breakdowns happen on the goal that they conceded. Um, you know, so that's that's a bit concerning. But if you know what you're up against, and Pioli has two weeks to get ready for this game, uh, I feel good about Milan's prospects for, for coming away with the three points. I think it's going to be narrow, as Richard alluded to. Yeah. Um, but the run-in overall, top four is the goal. The run-in overall concerns me. 
because you have Lazio, Juve, and Atalanta are all away. And I know in the time of COVID, you don't have big crowds that you're playing up against or anything like that. But it's still a different itinerary when you have to travel to play a game versus, you know, being able to sleep in your own bed, you know, the night before a game. So, yeah. um, you know, so those things definitely factor into it. And, and and all three of those are vying for top four, you know, and uh, and it's going to be vital that Milan get points out of those three games, but it's going to be even more vital that they get as many of the 21 points available to them in the rest of their game. Samp at home, Parma away, Genoa at home, Sassuolo at home, Benevento at home, at Torino, Cagliari at home. I mean, there's no reason why they can't come away winning all of those games, um, which 21 points would certainly be more than enough for them to comfortably finish top four. Absolutely. Um but uh, if, if they can just take care of business and win all of those games, these three big away games aren't going to matter. You know, but if they start having some slip ups, um, you know, for some reason, they just can't. Genoa has shithoused everybody since Palladini has taken over. If they can't score on Genoa and Genoa just, you know, sucker punches them for one the other way. Um, you know, that's something that you have to be concerned about. Uh, you know, I think Benevento is starting to fall apart a little bit. Parma can't hold on to a lead. Um, you know, so there's lots of points here that Milan can grab. They've got to go out and grab them and make those three away, those those three tough away matches, you know, less important as, as you know, in terms of their prospects of finishing top four as time goes on. Well said. Well, listen, I, I want to give you guys the opportunity to promote what you're doing. And, and listen, hopefully, hopefully everyone listening to this already knows about you guys. Um, you know, I, I know we have uh, we certainly have a lot of friends and fans in common, which is awesome. But for those who don't, you know, you, you got to make sure you check out the city. I sit down. They do live shows on Tuesdays. And of course, you can catch the podcast replays. I, I hope you guys are, are not insulted that I usually can't watch live, but I do always listen to you guys on Wednesdays during my commute home if I can't be on the live feed. So it is it is a it is a must do for me and my commute is very long. So short shows like yours are much appreciated when I'm you know I'm driving uh you know an hour and twenty minutes through South Florida traffic on my way home. And yeah, even even in the times of a of a lingering pandemic, traffic is still very much a thing down here. Uh, so uh, Frank Ravel and Richard Carmen. Uh, Richard, I'll start with you, man. And if you want to do the honors of plugging the pod and also plugging uh, your own personal social media where you do a great job. Sure. Uh, my social media is right. The handles uh, right there at our underscore only too. at our underscore K H A R M A N. Yeah. The podcast, uh, definitely serious sit down on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can find us anywhere. Find us on YouTube as well. We not only do the podcast live there, um, but we also try to put out videos every, every so often. We're going to try to crank out more and more videos there. Different different content for the City A fan, you know, and, and please do subscribe, like, leave comments because that would be much, much appreciated. But, uh, yeah, uh, definitely give us a check out. You may like us, you may not, but give us a check out either way. Awesome. And, uh, and, and Frank, if people want to want to catch you on social media, where can they find you? FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Uh, we have our own uh, channel on Serdia Sit Down does on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. And we're also on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere where there's podcasts, uh, there's Serdia Sit Down. Um, you know, we're, uh, we like to call ourselves a recap show on steroids, um, where we break down everything that happened uh, on the previous match day. We give our goals of the week. We try to get ahead of the curve on players that people should be watching out for. We, 
you know, give a little love to the bottom half teams that most of the other uh, po- podcasts out there, uh, you know, focus their attention mainly on the top six. Uh, so that's something that we take some pride in and really getting a good feel for what those teams do. Um, and, uh, you know, who won Calcio Twitter? Uh, it's a uh, great segment. I love it's it. It's become a phenomenon. I, it's, uh, it, we, we just, we saw one guy come out with something and we said, we're going to use this and we're going to just start this. And it's, it's taken yeah. off like gangbusters. Does so. anybody have more titles than Sharma? Like he is, he is the master of who won Calcio Twitter. Uh, it's actually kind of interesting. I think inter Twitter, if we looked at if you know, and Richard's got to go back and, and do all of this and, and, and add up all the totals, but inter Twitter to your, uh, to your delight, uh, is, is, is in the, is the clubhouse leader for wins. Yeah. Um, I Paris mean, Nitch, Uncle Sharma, Uncle Sharma, Paris Nitch, Forza yeah. inter Haiti. Yeah. Um, all of oh, those guys have been on the board. Well, what happens is when you cheer for such a crazy club, you have to develop a sense of humor as a coping mechanism. <laughs> yeah. like you, like you, you cannot be an Interista without a sense of humor. It's like I rare, and, and there obviously there are a few idiots in every fan base, but you know yeah. most of the real Interisti don't talk a whole lot of shit if it's not in a self-deprecating way. There are of course exceptions to that rule. I know people sure. will call me out and say, "Well, this guy and that guy talk a lot of shit." Yeah, obviously, but. Makes it perfectly makes it perfectly reasonable that Roma Twitter is a is is second pro- in all probability. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, uh, Tweet Zaniolo, of the year last year. Zan, yeah, Zaniolo underscore fan who I don't even think is on Twitter anymore. I tried looking him up the other day and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he, uh, he, he got he, banned I, or something. He got uh, I, you know he got our prize and quit. Conflicting reports. He either got and I, I enjoyed him a lot. Um, maybe he said a few controversial things. No, but, fuck uh, that guy. He's a fucking yeah. Guy. Yeah, he either got banned or he resigned from Twitter willingly. But I think that's uh, one of that's one of those things where he was trying to save his pride. I don't know. I don't know what really happened there. No, that guy's yeah. a fucking douchebag. I called him wow. out a few times. I've actually really? called him like yeah, I've called him out like three or four times. Never responded to me. Can't oh. handle the, the can't handle the Lazio heat, man. Oh, his Calcio Twitter win last year. His Calcio Twitter win last year was gold, though. Yes. Oh, was it? Oh, I can't. I can't tweet for shit, man. I'll be honest. I'm the worst tweeter, man. Well, your, your I, Nutella tweets to me are worth it. Like that. That that makes the app worthwhile <laughs> for me. I, I would have quit. And it's Tim Horton ones too. I, I, I learned. I learned last week not to like insult Ronaldo anymore. I I, I insulted him like three times. Well, I've insulted and, him a bunch. Nobody comes after me. Guys, did, did you really? see how Jer- oh. Jerry sold his soul? Jerry sold his soul. Jerry oh. after. After after that goal that Ronaldo was robbed of against Serbia, Jerry wrote out this long tweet basically praising Ronaldo, and he sold his soul for 3,500 likes because <laughs> it started to get passed around like a blunt with all the Ronaldo no, fanboys no, and girls. He got retweeted. What, what was the final count? Like 5,000 retweets? Okay, all it was was Portugal was robbed of a win. I thought they were robbed. Wowzers. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo has every reason for being upset. I don't blame him. I didn't blame him for being upset, but at the same time, I never touched upon him throwing his armband, which is a whole delicate, separate situation. I agree with his emotion, but I don't agree with the armband. But if I was that person, I wouldn't want to contradict because I would be the same way too, being upset. Now, what did it get me? 3.6 K likes. I, I can't believe how 
the Ronaldo Club loved this tweet so much. It, it got 372 tweets. I've never you, seen anything like this. You want to go viral again? How about you quote that tweet and then say, just kidding, Ronaldo sucks, and see how many more likes you get for that. <laughs> the Messi fans will, will, will give him. Yes, you'll get the Messi likes. fans. Yeah. Messi the true goat. <laughs> so, so Jerry, Jerry. I should do that, actually. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry actually. Why, why don't you plug your stuff as well? Of course, people can see uh, your Twitter handle. Jay Mancini eight, uh, and and you're always writing, bro. You write for like eleven different sites. I can't keep track. Yeah. Now on your social media, you post everything, which is good. But why don't you let the people know what to expect and where they can find you and all that? Actually, last week I didn't write at all. I think really? I what the today. fuck? Well, because the clubs aren't <laughs> playing, would be why probably right. Oh yeah, Every yeah, time, yeah, that's why I love international break because I get off like I don't I don't do anything. I just watch these teams and that's it. Um, just writing for Laziale, I wrote a piece on what the Immobile's goal can mean for him as for team and club, and um, wrote the match preview for Saturday's game between Lazio and Spezia. And I do plan on writing a piece about if Lazio should sell that shitty Mariki this week, this uh, summer, because let's get something straight, guys. He scored for Kosovo against uh, Lithuania. Don't think he's God. Don't think he's the best thing in the world. The guy's feet are made of cement. I honestly thought that he was going to be a good player once he started to score some goals against Parma, against Atalanta. Then everything came back to life, and I realized how shit he was against. So he's he's not cut for City. Uh, I, I know people compare him to Caicedo and how Caicedo wasn't good in his first year. Here's the difference. Caicedo actually played in better leagues. He played in La Liga. Uh, and I forgot where else he played before that. It was another good league as well. The No disrespect, but the Turkish league is not on the same scale level, I find, compared to like La Liga, Serie A, EPL, even Ligue 1, I'll say. There are some good teams in Ligue 1 that have some good talent. Yeah, but the I, thing that you got to be careful with is that, and Richard and I have talked about this a ton on Serie A sit-down, anytime somebody comes over to Serie A from another league, and it can even be the Premier League or La Liga, there is a, a, you know, it's very, very rare to see a player just hit the ground running and excel mm-hmm. like Lukaku did in his first season at Inter. Right. Okay, it's far more common for that year to be an adaptation period there's so many different things that especially a player like mariki who's coming over from the turkish league to the italian league where it's far more tactical far more stringent even with all the goals that get scored um you know there's a culture there's learning the language okay there's you know learning the nuances of how a team plays there's a lot that goes on Mm -hmm. you know and it's it's what halga ran into at milan um, you know, where he, he had some fits and spurts, but overall it's been a struggle for him. He's coming over from the Norwegian league and all of a sudden being asked to perform at a high level in Serie A. You know, a lot of these guys coming over from these these smaller leagues, they need a year, you know. Um, I mean, Case K. Honda was probably one of the ones that learned the hard way. Um, he came in and he sucked and he was and he just stayed that way because he, he never adapted. You know, he never adapted to the demands that Serie A brings. Um, you know, so it's – I always try to – okay, year one, and even Aiden Jekyll, he came over and he struggled at Roma year one. Year two, he was Capocannonieri. So there's always an adaptation period, no matter how good you might have been somewhere else, um, mm-hmm. that more often than not, you're going to have to go through in Serie A. There's not a lot of Lukaku's who just come in and all of a sudden start bossing things. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, r- r- really good insight. 
Yeah, no, I I think that's a great point. I, mean, I think the problem the problem is is that Lazio is not a big club like the other top six clubs. Yeah, I guess they're big in their own way, but technically we're not big. We're we're twenty million. You want to see results, and you can't you can't be like Milan, Inter, or Juventus saying, okay, maybe next year that twenty million will pay off. Like. You, uh. It's really risky for Lazio. I don't know. I, I think I, that I works both ways, though, because if he I was guess, on a, a quote-unquote bigger club, he'd probably uh, he'd probably have a shorter leash. To be honest, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I but, but either way, either way, I think I think Frank is right about the adaptation that you still have to be a little bit more patient. But listen, guys, I, I had a lot of fun, and everybody, by the way, you can find me at Alex Dono on Twitter. Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. You know, check out. Uh, uh, check out, you know, North American sports fans can check me out uh, 3 to 6 p.m. every day on onsideradio.com. Uh, you know, and uh, we get the crew. I still have to get Richard. I got to get you on the show sometime soon because I've had I've had Frank on several times. Jerry has been on. I, I got to get I got to get Richard on. We, we got to do a, a deep dive on uh, on Weston McKenney because I, I know I, I try to get the ratings with the American soccer fans. Okay. You know, people know, like the people who actually know me know that I barely give a shit about the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> I'm all about the Azzurri. But as far as my American audience knows, I'm just draped in the American flag 24 hours a day with the US, U.S. MFD. So I'll have to have Richard on sometime soon. Uh, so, listen, I had a lot of fun, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for chatting. Uh, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you know you can check us out on every podcast platform uh you know you can find the cultural connection uh on apple podcasts on spotify on google pods pretty much anywhere you look you'll find us there and for those who are listening on the podcast you can also watch the shows uh live and replays on youtube and uh, check out our new patreon page as well we we appreciate any subscribers we just launched it launched it a few days ago so we're uh we're, we're trying to see how much unique content we can create so huge thanks again to frank crivello and richard carmen make sure you guys check them out on tuesdays we will talk to you guys again next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.